Hey, homies. I'm Katie. I'm Sydney. And this is Something Sick. By the time you guys hear this, we will be in Seattle. Or Portland. Or Portland. Probably Portland. Probably Portland. But we are going on vacation next week, and we are so excited. I cannot wait. Literally cannot wait. The weather is going to be so nice. After they had a heat wave, it's now going to be in the 70s while we're there. Yeah. Really glad we're not going to be there during that heat wave. It was like 112 degrees one day during that. But yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. We might get to go whale watching yeah. and see the Seattle underground. We're going on a ghost tour. Yes. Ghost and pub tour. Heck yeah. And For a while we were like, let's try and go to Lake Sammamish. <laughs> like, that ha- we have not talked about not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but we were like, yeah, we're going to go try and like see the Ted Bundy places. <laughs> For no reason. We're going to go find Ted himself and, <laughs> and ask kill him, him why he did what he did. I'm going to kill him again. But I'm um, going to tell him he's ugly. D. <laughs> I'm going to play that song from TikTok yeah. about how stupid and ugly he is. Yeah, because he is. Yeah. So screw yeah. Ted Bundy. <laughs> if we find his ghost, don't worry. We'll tell him off. Yep. <laughs> We're pretty good at finding famous ghosts. We are. We know JFK personally. Personally, we're buds. <laughs> we're roomies. Yeah. <laughs> he lives with us. <laughs> no context. You don't get any context for that. Maybe someday. We might have already said. I don't know. But I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, um, I know this week's is a rough one. So Yeah. This one, this is a warning. This one has to do with a child's death, murder, a child's murder. And so if you don't want to listen to that, I don't blame you. Yeah. I just wanted to cover this one because I heard it on Morbid, their podcast, and it stuck with me, and I can't stop thinking about it, so I'm going to tell it to you. Okay. So this is the murder of Maddie Clifton, and I just want to say, Morbid did an episode on this, and then a little while later, they actually interviewed Maddie's sister, Mm -hmm. because she reached out to them to like clear up some facts that she heard that she felt like were maybe a little misconstrued not just on their podcast but on like a lot of different podcasts and interviews and stuff and so I highly recommend listening to Morbid's episode and then listening to the interview with Jessica Clifton because it's very important Mm -hmm. that the facts are correct and I tried to get most of them but I mean maybe even I have stuff wrong so yeah there's always room to be corrected yes so here we go all right I'm ready if we make a joke, it is not about this murder. It's not about the murder. No, it's I don't just, think we're going to have... Oh, I, I can't picture anything offensive. Yeah. But this is murder of a child, but this is important. So here we go. So Madeline Maddie Ray Clifton was born on June 17th, 1990 to Steve and Sheila Clifton. And she had an older sister, Jessica Jessie Clifton. I use Jessie and Jessica mm-hmm. interchangeably. Just so you know. Same person. Um, Maddie loved sports. She loved things like hockey, football, basketball, ballet. And she played piano. And she was like described as very well-rounded, tough, and vibrant. And oh. she just seems very outgoing. and Yeah. Like a fun little girl. So I th- I honestly could not find that much about her. Like I kept being like Maddie Clifton background and I didn't know much, but it's because she's was eight years old when yeah. she died. And so it's, it's like, like, there's not much. There's not much a- other than like 
I like playing this sport. You yeah. Know? Yeah. All I know is I pr- think she was pretty close with her family and mm-hmm. she was close with the other kids in her neighborhood. And so now I'm going to do like a little bit about her disappearance. So on November 3rd, 1998, Maddie, who was eight years old at the time, got home from school. They lived in Jacksonville, Florida, Mm -hmm. by the way. And she was doing some piano practice. And then around five o'clock that evening, Maddie went to go hit some golf balls with one of, there's like an older gentleman who lived in the neighborhood. And he was like, I think her sister, Jessica, in her interview with Ash and Elena on Morbid was saying this old, older guy, he had grown kids, but like all of the kids' parents would like take turns watching them all play together in the neighborhood. Like if this parent was outside, they were just kind of keeping an eye on them. Yeah. And the neighbor was kind of doing that too, like watching the kids, making sure. And he would play with all of them. They were hitting golf balls and there were a couple other neighborhood kids out there with them. And Jessica Clifton was still inside trying to finish up homework and practicing her piano. And so she wasn't out there with them originally, but Maddie was out there. And then one of the boys that was out playing He kind of, they kind of ran out of golf balls, I think. And so he walked Maddie back to her house to try and find some more. And I think it was taking a little longer than a kid has an attention span (laughs) to be doing. And so he was kind of like, okay, Maddie, I'm going to go back over there. Like you keep looking and then come back and find us when you're done. And I think Maddie's mom saw her around that time. And that was the last time Maddie's mom saw her alive. And then around 620, it's like an hour and 20 minutes later, um, Maddie's mom, Sheila, went out to call for them. Her, Maddie and Jessica, I think at that point, Jesse was outside. And Jessica came back pretty immediately. And she said she hadn't seen Maddie. And so Sheila started to go around and like knock on all the doors and be like, has anyone seen her? And no one said they had seen, like no one knew where she was, which is kind of unusual. Mm-hmm. And then by 6.33, Sheila Clifton called 911 to report Maddie's disappearance. And so now we're going to step back and we're going to talk about Josh Phillips. Uh, Josh was born on March 17th, 1984 in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So so he's older. Yes. Like six years older. Yes. He was 14 at this point. Uh, his parents' names were Melissa and Steve. So both of their dads are named Steve. So that's kind of confusing. I don't really talk about... Mm-hmm. I don't really talk about Maddie's dad as much. Okay. I didn't find as much about him, so... If I say, I'll always clarify. Yeah, okay. I'm really bad. When I listen to other podcasts, if there's a lot of names and they it's don't like, and they don't, separate. yeah, if they don't keep like saying who it is, like reminding me who it is in the story, I'm like, I don't, yeah, my same. brain, I can't figure it out. So Josh's parents were Melissa and Steve Phillips. Um, Steve was an alcoholic and drug addict who was pretty violent towards his wife and son. And um, both Melissa and Josh had told people that they were kind of afraid of him, mm-hmm. which that makes sense. Uh, Josh had some pretty strict rules that he had to follow from his dad and Steve would get mad if Josh brought other kids into their house if he was not there, Mm. which I also would not want my kids to have other kids over if I wasn't there to like supervise, but I feel like he was doing it in more controlling to have power and control. And also like at 14. Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, it depends on the kid, I guess. Yeah. But like, I feel like once you are a teenager, like you should be allowed to like be alone for a little while. You know? Yeah, but if it's like the younger kids in the neighborhood, okay, I probably yeah, that, wouldn't want younger kids in my house either, though, you know? Yeah, not younger kids. If they're like the yeah. same age, it might be different, I guess. But Yeah, boys can be kind of crazy, though. Yeah. But also, I, I do think he was doing it to have like control, control over yeah. the situation. Uh, Steve Phillips, his dad, also reportedly did not like young girls, which his wife thought was weird, which... That is weird. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like, 
I feel like you should be indifferent. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to hear Unless that he liked... Unless they're your kid. Yeah. Like, you don't want to hear that he liked young girls. No. But it's, it's also, also weird that he specifically doesn't like Like people knew he didn't like Yeah, that's them. weird. Yeah. So. Like you're not like a dog that's allowed to like yeah. be weird towards kids or something. Yeah. <laughs> you're a human being. Uh-huh. Like, Just be there. <laughs> Just stay away. <laughs> Have no opinion. <laughs> okay. So now uh, November 1998 josh phillips was 14 years old by then and his family had moved like they had been living in jacksonville florida now but they i think they had moved around a lot beforehand and so neighbors that knew josh said he was really friendly and liked and despite like his family like at home situation he would make people laugh and his teachers said that he was pretty popular and he was goofy and fun and he like didn't stand out for a bad reason Mm -hmm. which is kind of makes us all more shocking yeah. that something like this would happen. Uh, he had no violent history of arrests or anything. Like, he just didn't do anything, and which is good because he was 14. So yeah. I would hope that a kid 14 didn't have a history of arrests, but it's also like this kind of came out of nowhere and shocked yeah. a lot of people. So later on, it was revealed this, some of this information that I'm about to say, like, didn't come out until like 2019 in an appeal in court. But it was revealed later on that Josh would actually, this is his more darker side, uh, he would watch violent pornography, which usually included potentially underage girls. Mm -hmm. And he had actually been watching this, like Morbid had the timestamp. He had been watching this like literally right before Maddie went missing, like like 4.50 something. He had been watching stuff on his computer. Oh gosh. Yeah. And Josh had actually gotten in trouble with Maddie's parents before, about one month before uh, Maddie went missing. And... They had forbid him from coming into their house because one day they caught um, Josh up in Jessica's bedroom, uninvited. She was not up there. And he was, they did not know this until later, but he was stealing a photo of Jessica in a gymnastics leotard doing like a backbend. And another time, I don't know if this only happened once, but before Josh had also discussed sex in front of um, both of the girls and I think they had, they were, and Jessica was saying on Morbid, she was like, we were good girls. Like we immediately went and told our parents yeah. and grandma, like they were, yeah. like they knew, like they were mm-hmm. like, no, don't, you're not allowed to come around our girls. Like that's yeah. inappropriate. How old was Jessica, by the way? How oh, she was her? 11 at this okay. time. Yep. She was 11. So she was a couple years younger, yeah. but it came out later in court that Josh was obsessed with Jessica, which they kind of think, I don't know, that he was more into her. Like, he was way more into her and that they think it could have been a lot. Like, it could have been her, too, yeah. or that he was trying to do something to her. But Jessica did not know that he was infatuated with her until mm-hmm. they were, like, 18, 19 years later. Because <sighs> when the original court proceedings were happening, she was too young to be yeah. in the courtroom. But then in all the appeals, she was like, I'm going to that now. And that's when it all, like, she was hearing it all for the first time. And she was like, I had no idea. Yeah, that's so It's terrifying. Like, I don't know if she knew about the picture, but I, I doubt she mm. knew about that picture. Yeah. Like, why would you wouldn't tell? No, no one would want her to have no. to know that. Like, yeah. yeah. So there's that. So that's about Josh. Not great. But on the outside, he appeared to be totally fine. Like mm-hmm. mostly normal. Yeah. Pretty normal. Like a normal teenage boy. Yeah. You know? So now I'm going to talk about the murder itself and what what happened that day. And this version of events when again, I said it, it's a murder of a child, so that's probably going to be triggering to some people. And I don't think you should listen to this and then. But also, this version of events is what Josh said happened. And then a little bit later, I'm going to say what the um, prosecutors think actually happened mm-hmm. and what Maddie's family believes happened. Yeah. Uh, so on November 3rd, 1998, like I said, 
Maddie, this is Josh's story. Maddie came over to his house um, to see if he wanted to play baseball outside with her. And Josh agreed to it, even though his dad's rule was like, you can't have anyone over when I'm not there. His parents were not home. And so the two were in the backyard playing baseball. And eventually Maddie tossed the ball to Josh who hit it and it accidentally like hit her in the eye. And so she started to bleed and she was screaming and crying. And I think they said somewhere that he started to like try and clean off the baseball first, which is kind of weird. I don't know why you'd say that, but especially what comes later, but it's just like, okay. And then he realized, Josh realized his dad was going to be home soon and he was going to get in trouble for not only breaking the rule of having someone in there, but he also hurt Maddie. Mm -hmm. And so he decided he was going to drag Maddie into his house. And he said during the process of this, that the clothing on her lower body came off because, yep. And okay. That doesn't make sense to me. Not likely. No. And at this point, uh, Josh said, like he got her up to his room and he said, Maddie was still screaming and upset. Who wouldn't be, especially if you were being dragged up to his room anyway. So he decided to hit her again with a wooden baseball bat, like with a strong overhand swing to stop her from screaming. I think think you did it once or twice. I don't remember exactly how many times. And then Josh um, shoved Maddie under his waterbed, which is like, it was like a wooden box. Like it looked like a box over it. And then there was like a plywood panel and the waterbed was like on top of it. So he had like peeled up the plywood and like put her under there oh wow so he had to like yeah. lift up the bed yeah to like move okay. the mattress all the way off and like lifted the plywood to do it which i'll show you a picture of what it looked like mm-hmm. later because that's the picture that i thought was jarring. it's not of the actual bed it's like a yeah. diagram mm-hmm. of what it looked like so soon after this after josh had put maddie down there uh steve phillips's dad came home and josh went down kind of spent some time with him and then he went back up to his room josh did And when he got up there, he realized that Maddie was still under his bed alive and like trying, like making noise. And so uh, he moved his mattress and that is when he stabbed Maddie two times in the throat with, he had like a little pocket knife thing on this um, uh, cat bookshelfy thing. I couldn't remember. I could not think of the word shelf was the word I was thinking. And then he stabbed her in the chest nine times with the knife and at that point she was dead and so there were three different attacks on her so i think if it had only been the baseball and she had died then that's an accident but then he hit her over the head and Mm -hmm. then he stabbed her 11 times yeah so um later on the autopsy actually revealed that um not only was maddie alive after being put under the bed, but she was trying to get out because I guess autopsy or medical examiners and they take, remove the body from the crimes and they put like plastic bags over the hands and stuff to preserve anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the, one of the bags, it had like one of like a hinge or something from the bed. And so they think she like had had it in her hand at one point oh. and it, so it's like she was trying to get out. And also it was discovered that the stabs to the chest were inflicted post-mortem. So after she was dead. So that doesn't yeah. really... It, it's, it's just like he's like he killed he her going. and kept going. Yeah. yeah. So then Josh said he put her back under his bed after she was dead. And he continued to sleep over her for seven days. Oh. Yeah. And... It had to have started smelling really oh, early. I'm about to tell you. Okay. Um. So he... It did start to smell. And so he put some black electrical tape over like the bed to mm-hmm. like try and keep it in on the Wednesday of the week. I don't know what day of the week um, it was, but probably like halfway through, I would assume. And to, that was to try and stop the odor. And then he burned a lot of incense and used a lot of air fresheners to try and cover up the mess, the smell and everything. And Josh later told investigators that he had 
no idea what he was going to do with her body. Like they were like, what was your plan? And he was like, I don't know. He's 14. He didn't have one. Yeah. Yeah. And he also said he had no idea why he murdered her and that maybe he should get some counseling to figure out what's wrong with him. I mean. And that's all later on. But it's just like. Yeah. That's what he was thinking. And like, I don't know. You know. Okay. Yeah. So now we're going back to November 3rd and we're talking about the search for Maddie. Mm -hmm. So. She was reported missing around 5 p.m. that day, and police and about 400 volunteers, including Josh Phillips, searched for Maddie for six days. Um, Steve and Sheila Clifton even went on TV like local news begging for more information on Maddie, and they offered a reward from $50,000, and they were like, we'll even double it, $100,000 for information Mm -hmm. about her. Uh, Maddie's missing person flyer included that she was four foot, four feet, four inches, and 44 pounds. She was eight years old. 44 pounds? Yeah. That's tiny. I know. Like, I have no reference for how small a child is, but that's tiny. Tiny, yeah. Uh, She was eight years old. She had brown eyes, brown hair. She was last seeing her red YMCA basketball shirt with her name Maddie on the back and the number five in the middle. Mm-hmm. And had a picture of her on it. It's very sad. And she was wearing the jersey in the picture. Yeah. Uh, Josh testified later that his involvement in the search was because he spent that week in denial and was quoted saying... I was putting myself in a fantasy world that nothing had happened. That was my defense mechanism for everything when I was a kid. I never made the decision to ignore it. I just did. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Mm, okay. You're 14. Like, I don't know. I was in denial. So I was helping you search. Yeah. And that just sounds so much like, oh, like I have trauma. So uh, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Like, so I can get yeah, away with it. Basically. Yeah. He's just trying to like escape blame for that part of it yeah like if you felt bad about it you would probably tell your parent and also if you're still actively covering it up like trying to cover up the scent you weren't in denial yeah i don't like you knew that she was under there (laughs) i can't imagine you would be in denial for six days no maybe that night or something and being like oh my gosh what do i do but at some point you're just cruel and also i feel like going to help in the search that's not how you would show like be in denial no that shows me that you did it exactly like (laughs) I, you would think if you were in denial, you'd just be like, I'm just not going to go help. Like, yeah. She's not missing. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. yep. okay. <laughs> so on November 10th, so a week later, um, Maddie's parents went on Good Morning America to try and get more information. And while they were there, Maddie was found. Oh. So Melissa Phillips went into her son's room that day. And she saw like a wet spot on the floor near the bed and it kind of smelled weird. And she thought it was a leak from the waterbed, which Mm -hmm. probably happened quite a bit, especially with a teenage boy. And she was like, it really smells bad. And I cannot imagine. I think they, I think I read that she was like trying to pick up after him. And I was like, I will never, if I have a teenage son, I'm teaching him how to clean after himself. (laughs) Like I am not doing that. Uh, Josh also had three pet birds. No. And so she was like, maybe it's that, but I think it's like, she thought it smelled worse than that though, which it's a dead body. Yeah. It does smell bad. And so she got down on the ground trying to figure out what it was. And she first saw the black electrical tape on the bed frame. And she was like, that is weird. Like, I don't, why would he do that? Yeah. Like, she's like, what are you trying? Like, it was on the bed frame, not the water bed. She's like, it's not yeah. like he was trying to close a leak or something. And then she saw a sock pressed in there, like in the bed frame. And she was like, that's also weird. Why would that be there? And she looked a little further and that's when she saw Maddie. And so she immediately ran outside and there are police everywhere because they were searching for Maddie. And so she went right to a police officer and uh, told them, she's like, I found something 
and I need you to come see it. Like did not say what it was, oh. but I was like, I need you to come see it. I don't, I feel like she was kind of hoping it wasn't what she saw. Yeah. Like she's like, I'm really hoping it's not, but I'm, I'm happy she went immediately outside. Yeah. Like, and I also can imagine, especially like a woman who's been abused. She's not trying to make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Like, yeah, she doesn't want to cause a scene and with the neighbors and probably also her husband. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't write this down. I heard it on morbid, but I didn't have the source of where she, of where they found the information, but I'm pretty sure that there were a couple quotes from her in there that you should all go listen to for the exact mm-hmm. wording. But it was like, she, um, when she went outside and she, after because I'm going to tell you, like, detectives came in, obviously, to find... And she said when she looked at the Clifton's house, she thought, like, right now they have hope, but in a few minutes they're not going to have it. And, like, oh. it's heartbreaking. And also I think they said that Melissa was thinking, like, yes, like, this is my kid that did it, but also this is someone else's kid. Like, this is important for me to say something about this. Yeah. Like, not covering it up. Which is good. <laughs> yeah. So... After she went outside, got a police officer. Uh, the officer she went up to grabbed a couple more detectives because I also would not want to go in and no. think, discover this on my own. And one of them said when he walked in, he immediately smelled death and decay, which they would know that. Yeah. I, I can't imagine living in the house smelling that. No. And that's when the detectives saw two small feet with white socks on in the bed. And I'm going to show Sydney this. I'm going to post yeah. this diagram of like how she was put under the bed. She's like crammed under. Like they're like the bed yeah. posts are really weird underneath it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like she's like laying down. She's like in a ball. Yeah. Essentially. Oh. Yes. And so um, the police officers like asked where Josh was and she was like, on his way to school mm-hmm. and uh they like cops went to the school arrested him there and within hours he had confessed to maddie's murder and so about a little bit about how maddie was found i'm not going into crazy detail or anything but uh when she was found under the bed she was naked from the waist down with her shirt pulled up the medical examiner examiner did say she was not sexually assaulted at the time of her death mm-hmm. i don't i couldn't find more detail about that but the prosecutors definitely think that that was what Josh, like he lured her in to do stuff like that to her. And so I didn't have more information on that though. And her clothes, like her bottom, like her clothes from her bottom half of her body and her shoes had been thrown in under the bed, like before her. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, why'd you, I feel like if it was an after, like if they had come off while you were dragging her. Yeah, that would be an an afterthought. afterthought. Yeah. Also, uh, I think her shoes, I think her shoes had maybe still, maybe one had been on her body still, Mm -hmm. like on her. And they're like, if you're dragging her, her clothes came off over her shoes. Like that doesn't make sense, you know? No. And so that was kind of weird. Um, Also found in Josh's room was the stolen picture of Jessica Clifton in her gymnastics leotard. And he also had had one of Maddie's missing person flyers in his room. like i think it was like hanging on a shelf so creepy yeah yeah uh also in the crime scene they found a lot of air fresheners and the knife that they think he used to stab maddie Uh, they found running shoes with her blood on them and there's also some spots on the carpet that had blood on it and they found a pair of panties i don't know okay i'm sorry i just need to clarify when he stabbed her was she still like under the bed he had just like lifted it up i think okay yeah so all of the blood was like under the bed. I think for so. the most part. That's I mean, I couldn't find a lot about okay. it. Yeah. But I'm assuming. Okay. Uh so they found in a pair of panties. I don't know if those are Maddie's or not. I cannot confirm it or mm-hmm. if someone else's. Uh there's a way he shouldn't have no. those. 
Uh, and there was blood spatter on the ceiling fan and it definitely, that like kind of proved like it, he did an overhand swing with the baseball bat. Mm. And so that was kind of how it was found. Ugh. Gross. Yeah. And terrible. So now for the trial, like I said, Josh confessed pretty immediately. Like it did not take a lot of coaxing yeah. to get it out of him, which if his, if his story is the inaccurate one, which I honestly probably, I do think I'm like, it's probably not accurate what he's telling them. Yeah. Which means he just had time to come up with the story and he was like, okay, I'll confess and make me seem a little yeah. more innocent if I say this and I say like, I was in denial, like, yeah, save him. And honestly, there could be a part of him that actually believes whatever story he's telling. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, some of it, I'll tell you a little bit more okay. about the autopsy that will make you think like, I don't know how he could believe yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. So. So the trial was moved. It's about the trial. And I'll tell about that later when I'm talking about the prosecution. The trial was moved to Polk County, Florida, which is they were in Duval County. And people were concerned that the publicity in Jacksonville was going to have an effect on the trial, which a yeah. lot of cases have that happen if mm-hmm. they have a lot of publicity. Yeah. So they moved it. Josh's lawyer was Richard D. Nichols. And according to Josh, Richard Nichols only ever wanted to play chess with him when he would go to the prison pre-trial, And like he wouldn't question Josh at all about the murder. Which is, mm. yeah. His strategy was to base most of the defense on his closing argument to the jury. And he didn't, decided not to call a single witness for the defense. Um, yeah. He's not a good lawyer. <laughs> yeah. His closing argument was that Maddie's death was, quote, an act that began as an accident and deteriorated through panic that bordered on madness. So. Okay. So he's basically going for insanity? Yeah. Okay. But no other. I don't know what else he said because I could not find the trial. But he also eventually did try to use scans from a, neuro- from a neurologist as evidence to show that Josh's frontal lobe had bilateral lesions on it, which he said was connected to impaired judgment and panic. And so he's trying to say, like, yeah. he has a medical reason for acting this way. Uh, the prosecution tried to use those scans as evidence that Josh looked at pornography on the computer. Not really sure how that correlates. Interesting. But either way... The judge ended up ruling that the scans were inadmissible as evidence. So that didn't really do anything for either side. So Josh's dad, Steve Phillips, was on board with his lawyer's plan of not calling any witnesses, not asking Josh anything. Like, he's just kind of like, you're the lawyer. Like, do what you're going to do. Okay. But Josh's mom didn't really like the strategy, which I wouldn't either. No. But also, I feel like it would have to be so hard because she turned him in. Yeah. But then is still his mom. It's like, cause you, I don't know. Cause it's like, you would want him to get justice, but like, he's still your son. Yeah. And so it's like, you don't, I don't even yeah. know like how you do that. I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. I really would. I never, I can never put myself, I hope to God I never have to be in that position yeah. because I don't know what I would do. So the lawyer Nichols also dissuaded Steve and Melissa from letting Josh testify for himself. So he was like, don't let your son do mm-hmm. this. And because of this, Josh did not speak a word at his trial. Mm-hmm. He just kind of sat there. And so now I'm going to talk about the prosecution. And this is what they believe happened. Uh, State attorney Harry Shorstein, Shorstein, not sure which way, uh, suggested that the murder had been sexually motivated and that Josh had lured Maddie over to his house. Uh, Jessica Clifton in the, mor- the interview with Ashton Elena on Morbid said that she believes this is true and that Josh had probably lured Maddie with the ruse of like, hey, I think I have extra golf balls in my house. Yeah. And that's not a crazy thing for for the kids in the neighborhood to do for each other. Like, yeah. And so she thinks that Maddie probably went in. And uh, so the autopsy said that there were no, this is, 
um, a clarification from Jessica, which I think leads to this story being likely that Josh lured Maddie into his house and assaulted her and just killed her in there. Uh, they don't believe that baseball was involved because mm-hmm. on the autopsy, according to Jessica, there was no bone fracture that would show a baseball or anything that hit Maddie in the eye. Yeah. And that... Um, there was no dirt or anything on the, Maddie's lower body to suggest that she had been like dragged from outside. Yeah. Like, or there even was, like fallen. Yeah. There's nothing on her. Okay. Like outside that would support that. And there was no blood in the backyard found. And I think he had cleaned the baseball bat too. I don't think there's any on there. I think maybe he did actually hit her with the bat inside. Yeah, probably. But he definitely cleaned it. And I do think there were things like... I do think there were parts of her skull that did say that she had been hit, obviously, and there was blood spatter from that. Mm-hmm. But but they don't think that she was hit in the face with a baseball. Yeah, no. Yeah. Also, because the backyard, Jessica said, was mostly taken up by a pool with small patches of grass. And so she's like, there is nowhere to play baseball back there unless you are yeah. standing like a foot apart from each other. And then why would you be hitting a baseball at someone? Yeah. So she's like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, and also like you would think that if she had gotten hit with a baseball in the eye yeah. and still lived a while after that because he put her under the bed for a while before yeah. actually killing her, that there would be like swelling or that she would have a yeah. black eye. Like, yeah, no. At least a little bit by yeah. that point. Yeah. So. so Yeah, no. Nothing suggested that that actually happened. Yeah, that happened. doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, also, the prosecution. So that was kind of like why they are like, Josh's story doesn't add up because none of that makes sense. And they also told the prosecution told everyone in the courtroom that Josh watched violent pornography and had books about devil worship and witchcraft, which I don't know if that's true, but they told them that. So maybe they found something that suggested that. Yeah. Which that's just very satanic panic. (laughs) Yeah. And they also told everyone that Josh was obsessed with Maddie's sister, like I said. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when everyone found that out. Makes him even more guilty sounding like it's her sister. Uh, So... The trial itself began on July 6, 1999, and since there were no defense witnesses, it took only two days to get through the trial, which is unusually fast. Yeah. And Josh was actually tried as an adult. And wow. It, yeah. And it ended up taking the jury just around two hours to convict him of first-degree murder, which, wow, I can't imagine being 14 and being convicted yeah, of that's first degree. Fast. Yeah. And for... In two hours. To try him as an adult, like, oh... Yeah. 14. Yep. That's that, crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because Josh, 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 <laughs> Josh, Josh was under 16 years old. He was not eligible for the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but his sentence was life in prison without the possibility of parole. And the judge presiding over the case was Judge Arnold, who said this to Josh. I do not perceive you to be a child. Your monstrous act made you an adult. I'm certain that on your judgment day that you, Joshua Phillips, will be given a harsher sentence than I could ever impose. Wow. Yeah, to a 14-year-old. Oh. Who, who did a terrible, yeah, despicable thing. Yeah, because it's like, it's like I, I wouldn't want him to get out when he turned 18. Yeah. But, wow. I, I think that's the youngest I've heard of anyone being tried as an adult. Yeah. At least that I've heard. Yeah. But. Not that I could think of yeah. a different one off the top of my head. But, yeah. yeah. So, that... Was the sentence. So in 2002, so that was 1999. So in 2002, Josh's conviction was upheld by the Florida Second District Court of Appeal. Uh, but his mom, Melissa, sought a new trial for Josh in December 2004. So a couple years later. She was doing this because she said that because of how young Josh was at the time of the murder, that that should have had more of an effect on his sentencing. Like, he's only 14. Yeah. Uh, and some of this, I'm like, 
yeah, he was 14. Like, I'm like, he did a terrible thing and I don't think he deserves, like, I don't think he deserves to be out and about. Yeah. But it's also like, I can see where his mom is coming from. Like, he's our teenage son. Like, yeah. it's again, like, I don't know what I would do. Like, it, it's, it's so confusing. With, yeah. Especially with the justice system. It's just so hard because it's like, ugh. Yeah. Like, it's, I, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Like, where you can kind of put yourself in their shoes, but then it's like, no. Yeah. Like, I don't want to. It's very complicated yeah so a year after that in november 2005 the florida supreme court set a hearing for the that december to decide if josh should be given a new trial i did not find anything about that like about if that actually happened mm-hmm. or not so the next thing i do know is that in 2008 so three years later um the lawyer harry shorstein the prosecutor and sheriff nat glover who I don't know exactly who is, they both admitted that they had some second thoughts on giving life without parole sentence to a 14-year-old, which that okay. would probably weigh on your conscience a little yeah. bit. And these two were the two officials that were had most of the responsibility of Josh's life sentence. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, they were kind of like, oh, I don't, I can, I would never feel good about sentencing, like having that power over something. I'm like, yeah. I don't ever want to do. Well, and it's so hard that. because all in all, as much as the prison system fails, the goal of it is rehabilitation. rehabilitation. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's so hard. It's so hard because it's an eight-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy. Like, it's so terrible. On Ugh, both. Yeah. It's all icky. The prosecutor, attorney, Harry Shorstein, I'm going to say that in my not how you say it. Yeah. Um, he said that he regretted not offering a plea for second degree murder, which would have given the judge some more room for it in the sentencing. Mm-hmm. And the attorney also expressed support for Josh to eventually be paroled, which I don't know how I feel. I mean, like if he has changed, maybe, but yeah. So that's what the prosecutor of the yeah. original case believes or what he thinks now, or maybe he changed his mind. I don't know. That was a while yeah. ago, so I don't know. So if you are a listener and you are into the true crime world at all, you probably heard that in 2012, the United States Supreme Court ruled on a case of Miller versus Alabama that sentencing juveniles to mandatory life imprisonment without parole is unconstitutional, mostly because the brain doesn't fully develop until mid-20s, and so it's kind of like they don't might not know what they're doing yeah which is also when i was writing this i was thinking we're almost in our mid-20s like one that our brain the thought that our brains aren't fully developed is kind of weird maybe they are i don't know <laughs> but all i remember is sydney's mom was so excited for her brother to turn 20 oh my gosh yeah <laughs> she was like oh he's 25 mid-20s <laughs> his brain is developed <laughs> But anyway, that could be a little lighter moment thinking about that. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, so that happened in 2012. And three years later, in November 2015, Josh's attorneys were trying to use that ruling, Mm -hmm. obviously, to file for a resentencing hearing, which they were successful in trying to appeal in September 2016. And his resentencing hearing was in June 2017. And Maddie's mom requested at the hearing that the life sentence without parole be upheld, which makes sense it was your baby and in november that year josh was resentenced to life in prison uh without parole still i think okay but he is eligible now for resentencing again in 2023 okay so in a couple years they'll probably be able to relook at it um the judge at that original hearing though in uh in 2017 the resentencing one said that he believes that josh lured maddie over and molested mm-hmm. her and killed her to cover yeah. it up. And he said that multiple attacks proved that it wasn't a split second decision. Yeah. So that's that judge's opinion, which I get. I would probably say yeah. the same thing. I 
think that the way that they're doing it is fair because it's like every few years they ha- they have a chance to look at it and be like, okay, are you making a change? Yeah. And clearly they don't think he is. Yeah. So yeah, good. which I do know a little bit about him in prison, which I okay. have at the end. So okay. we'll hear about what he's doing in there, which is kind of strange a little bit. Not okay. super strange. Not as strange as I probably just made it sound like it was, but it's interesting. So now we're going to 2019. Uh, The Florida First District Court of Appeal upheld the life sentence in December of that year. And they said they would review it, though, again, 2023, like I said, quote, based on demonstrated maturity and rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. So they are going to look at it. But at this hearing, so I have a couple quotes, one from Jessica Clifton, one from Sheila. And I think she has a different last name now. I think Maddie's parents are not together anymore. Mm -hmm. At this hearing, Maddie's sister Jessica said, quote, when I needed someone to talk to, there was nobody because nobody understood. Nobody understood me. And there were days where I would go to the cemetery and I'd sit down on the grass because I don't have anyone to talk to. And I just talked to her in the ground. There is no reason I believe. I just can't bring myself to think that you should ever, ever be able to walk outside of prison because she can't. It's just not fair. And you should have to pay the consequences for that, which, yeah, that just makes me want to cry. Yeah. And this is what Maddie's mom said. Uh, We were raising our girls in a Christian home where we prayed every day. What we didn't know was that the devil himself had moved in right across the street. I just got chills. Yes. (laughs) Um, The same devil that picked up his flashlight and proceeded to look for her, knowing good and well where she was the whole time. I keep, you know, Um, she also said the defendant now wants a second chance to live a second life. What does Maddie get to appeal her death sentence to? (laughs) Yeah, I have like, I could cry probably right now. Oh my gosh, me too. She has a way with words. Oh yeah. And this is the last quote I found from her. Um, Should he ever be released from prison, I pray I will no longer be on this earth because I know deep down inside he was after Jesse and I can't bear to lose another daughter. I think I might cry. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. She's so, she's like, he would come after my other girl, my other daughter, even though she's a grown woman. Like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like I said, the life sentence was upheld by the judge and the judge was saying like, no one expected him to do it in the first place. Like Mm, you were a good guy and then you exploded. And he's like, what's to say it won't happen again without a warning, you know, like you could be, you could be better. You could seem better on the outside, but maybe you're not, you know? Yeah. Like there's no real way to know that. That's so true. Yeah. So... Um, Josh did appeal again to the Florida Supreme Court this time. Uh, it was turned down in June 2020, and there was no explanation as to why, which I don't think they have to tell you why. I don't know. I don't know. But they didn't tell him why, either way. And so now the Cliftons and the Phillips families are waiting until 2023 to see if Josh gets to the opportunity of parole. So Yeah. And so now a little bit to end is about um, Josh in prison, which is not the best way to end this, but this is what he's doing. He plays guitar in a band and he attended Christian religious services, and he is a practicing Buddhist, I think, and does like meditation and does yoga and stuff. Okay. Like, all right, he's like in his thirties, forties now. So, yeah. uh, also while in jo- while in Josh, <laughs> while in prison, uh, Josh earned his GED pretty young. Even though people were saying like, you can't, you're too young to get your GED. And later on, he did take some college courses. Uh, He worked as a tutor for other inmates and also was a paralegal who helped other inmates with their appeals processes. Wow. Which feels weird. Yeah. I was surprised he became a paralegal in there. But yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, While Josh was in prison, his dad, Steve Phillips, actually died in a car accident in 2000. And um, as of 20, at 20, as of 2008, um, Josh 
would not write a le- like an apology letter to Maddie's family. He said they deserved a sin- they deserved an in person apology so they could see his sincerity. Um. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. They don't want to see your face, asshole. No. no. And Maddie's mom was like, I have no interest in having that conversation. <laughs> like, no, I wouldn't either. Like, mm, okay, no. That's just like, I want them to see me so that's they can about tell I'm you. sincere. Like, yeah. that's not... The point of an apology is to make it right for the other person. Yeah. First of all, no apology is ever going to make it right for the, them. No. No, no. But you being like, well, I want to do it in person. You're making it about you. Yeah. When it should be about them. He wants them to see that he really means, you know. Okay, no. Then it's like, no, I don't think you no. mean it. Yeah. Um, in 2017, Josh did say he was sorry to the Cliftons, I think probably in court or something. But I think it was on Morbid. Elena found something that said like she actually read the apology. So like I said, go listen to other episodes on this. Mm-hmm. But based on the apology, it was kind of like it sounds like he's kind of changed. Like it was a longer apology, but it's also like he might just know what to say. Yeah. To like make it seem like he sounds pretty crafty. He's yeah. a lo- he's apparently like he's learning the law side of things, like knowing what to say and stuff. And also he hid Maddie for a week. Yeah. And it's just like, no. Yeah. No. So, yeah. no, that's all yeah. I have on this. But it's just like, yeah, this doesn't sit right with you. No. OK. I yeah. go back on what I was saying earlier. Like he should be in prison forever. Yeah. <laughs> like I think after hearing like that, he exploded the first time. Yeah. It's like, you're right. We can't do that. And then him saying, I want them to see that I'm sincere. No, that is just, oh, that makes me furious. Yeah. And after hearing the quotes from Maddie's mom and sister, just make you want to sob for them, which you already want to do. But I really thought I was going to cry for a second. Me too. (laughs) So that is the case of Maddie Clifton and her murder. And it's incredibly sad, but I literally have not stopped thinking about it since I heard the morbid episode on it. Mm -hmm. And so, and after, especially after they interviewed her sister, it's just kind of like, and also in that she like shared her thoughts on like kids that were given life in prison without parole. Like I don't, I didn't want to put that in here because I think everyone should go hear her thoughts on it, but it's in there and it's just like very important. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Oof. I told you it was a heavy one. Yeah. I mean, they're all heavy, but that was really heavy. Yeah. Okay. Well. There is no good way to move on from no. that. So yeah. we'll maybe just... eat some ice cream or something tonight, yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> tonight, as I know you're all listening to this later. You know what? Whatever time of day it is, go eat some ice go cream. Go eat some ice cream. Um, well, you should follow us on yeah. all the things. On Instagram at Something Sick Podcast or on Twitter at A Sick Podcast or on TikTok at Something Sick Podcast or send us an email at Something Sick Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next week, homies. Yeah. Peace out. Bye.